Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you turn in your Bibles this afternoon with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to come around the Word of God. It's been great worship today. Thank you, team, for leading us. Awesome time, both services. We really appreciate you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17. It says this, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. In 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 1, So when we could stand it no longer... We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way. As you well know, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore... Brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11, now may our God and Father himself And our Lord Jesus, clear the way for us to come to you. Amen. I want to take some time this afternoon just to talk to you about um, the subject of doors. The title of this message is Building Doors. Building Doors. A few weeks ago, I preached a message called Living the Dream. And we looked at Acts chapter 12 where Peter... Has this miraculous escape from prison, and um, all of a sudden he's put in this season, this dark season, and we looked at the fact that some of us can go from one season to the next. We can be one minute in the plans of the Lord and excited, and then the next minute we feel like we're in a prison season. And then this angel comes in the nighttime and just arrives in this cell, and it says, suddenly this angel arrives and then says, quick, get up, and gives these instructions, and Peter's led out of this season of, 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 of confinement, this season of restriction. 
and, and he's led out in this miraculous way. The doors are open, the, the gates of the city, everything's open for him to leave that prison. But I'm, I'm a person who likes to preach balance here, and I believe that sometimes we can preach messages like that, and it means something for certain people in the room. But there are people, and the majority of the time, this is for most, that in your life, when you're in seasons like this, that actually you find that there are doors just not opening. And actually that doors are not, it's not just that doors are not opening, but actually that there are no doors at all. And um, you want this kind of divine intervention of this kind of angel or this divine intervention from God to appear in that moment where you think, well, God's got a promise for me and I just want the instructions from the Lord so that I can walk out of this and the doors will open for me. How many of you like that? But the majority of us are in seasons where actually there is no angel, there's no divine intervention. There's nothing miraculous taking place. In fact, for some of you this afternoon, you've been spending years believing for doors to open. And you begin to question, is God really listening to me? Is God really on my side? And am I ever going to get out of this season? And some of us are not just, we can't testify to that kind of miraculous instant moving of God, that suddenly from God. I want to talk to you today about what to do when you're in a season where there's no doors opening or there's no door at all. Because I believe that God calls us to do something other than sitting and waiting. And that is to build doors. Some of you this afternoon need to build doors. Now, you'll say, I'm not going to do anything. If God ain't opening it, I'm not going through it. But can I encourage you, God is in the business of dealing with people who are willing to build doors. And sometimes that's not going to mean building doors for yourself. It might mean doing it for someone else. And some of you right now, you're in seasons where you're in these kind of prison seasons, these seasons are not seeing anything. And I know what that feels like. Just recently I went on holiday with the boys in a caravan and every night was pitch black in the middle of the night. If you're like me and you wake up in the night and something happens... My mobile phone is not just the thing I use to phone people, it's my torch as well. In fact, it's everything. It acts as everything. It's a sat-nav, a phone, internet browser, torch, everything's there. It didn't used to be many years ago. And uh, in the middle of the night, my son screams out, and I'm running around trying to find my phone. I couldn't find my phone the first time, so I ran down this corridor, this caravan, tripping over shoes on the floor, trying to find the door, walking into the doors, getting into the room and then realizing I've not got the torch to see him and he's shouting saying, Dad, where are you? And I'm saying, I I can't see you, give me a minute. And I'm putting my hands all over the wall trying to find the light switch to turn the light on until I realized I was on the wrong wall. And I'm putting my hands up and down and I realized that sometimes we can't even see and sometimes we're just, sometimes we're even on the wrong walls. We're, We're just not in the right place. But in these seasons when you get this, And you feel like God is not opening doors. I really believe God wants you to build them. In verse 18, key verse, Paul says this, For we wanted to come to you, certainly, says, I, Paul, did again and again. So he's he's intent on getting to the church in Thessalonica to get back. That's That's his mission. That's what he wants to do. But he says this. It's an interesting point. He says, but Satan blocked our way. 
Satan blocked away. Do you know some people, they don't like to attribute any power to Satan, but he attributes some power to Satan here. He says, I've tried intently. I've done everything I can for these doors to open. I know that if I went to Thessalonica, it would be a God appointment. However, Satan's blocked us. It's a big thing to say. But what we see is here, how many of you know that God, even when Satan is allowed that ability to block you in your life and stop things, God is always up to something bigger and better. So he might allow Satan to block you, but he's always up to something bigger. And I want to tell you, if the door ain't opening, I can't tell you today you're going to get your breakthrough, and I always say that. I can't tell you when your door's going to come. But one thing I do know, if you trust the Lord, the doors will come. The doors will appear. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way. It says that that he tried in every effort. And some of you today, you've been trying in your own strength to push these doors, to create doors that actually are not for you in this season. And I want to encourage you that When these doors are not there, you've got to trust the one who's in control. You've got to trust the one who you know. You've got to come back to Jesus. John chapter 10 says this. Jesus says, I am the door. I want to tell you today that if you feel in your life that there are no doors appearing for you right now in your ministry, in what you want to do, in what you want to achieve for God, if they are not showing up right now in front of your face, let me tell you there is one door that you have. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and He is the door. Hallelujah. It says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved And he will go in and out and find pasture. So when I feel low and there is no doors for me, let me tell you something. I rejoice in the fact that I know the door himself. I know the one who is the door. He is the gate. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So when I haven't got no direction, he's the way. When I feel depressed, he's the life. Hallelujah. I go to the door. But sometimes some of us lose track. And do you know what we do? We lose focus on Jesus trying to find doors. We spend more time trying to find the door of ministry than we do trying to search for the door of Jesus. Isn't it a scripture that says go and shut the door and get in a quiet place and seek him? Sometimes you've got to shut those doors. Get to the door who is Jesus. Know who you need to see. It was only the, the other month... I was invited by our dear sister Rita here on the front to go to her late husband, Pete Meir. He's a great man, great worship leader, passed away, unfortunately, in recent years. And I was invited to go on email to a remembrance concert for Pete because I knew Pete and I was praying with him towards the end of his life. And she invited me to go and uh, I responded back and said, I can't make it. And so I sent the RSVP back, didn't I? I sent it back and she says, okay, sorry you can't make it on this particular Sunday. But I realized on the Sunday when it got to that Sunday that actually things had changed and turned around. I could actually make it. So I thought I'd just show up. How many of you know that sometimes if you show up at things, you might not get in? You know, I thought I'm the pastor of King's Church. Sure, they're going to let me in. I went to this pub and I knew Rita would be there and some of the King's people were there who'd, who'd been invited. So I walk in and I thought Rita would be there on the door to greet me and just say, oh, it's good to see you. She wasn't there. And I was met by this guy sat at the door with a big clipboard. And he said this to me. He said, what's your name? I said, Phil Shaw. 
I said, I should be on there somewhere. All these were chuckling away, waiting for me to get in. And they, he looked through the sheet, second time, didn't see my name there. And I realized, oh, I'm not on. So I said to him, I said, you, listen, you need to just go and ask Rita. He said, who's Rita? I said, just go and ask Rita. Get someone, need, someone get Rita Mia. If Rita, see, if you get the person who, who I know, then I'll be in. And I realized that actually, as soon as she came out, they let me in. She says, oh, I know this man. And I was straight in. But some of you today, you're, you're chasing after doors. And actually, we need to chase the one who, who knows, who has the authority. You've got to chase after him, the door, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? We've got to know who's in control. I want to encourage you today that when there are no doors, and let me tell you, there's a lot of people in this room who've got some doors that are not even appearing for you. And you know what it means. Pastoral, I hear this all the time. The door's just not opening. The door ain't opening. I'm just waiting for a door. Remember, first of all, look to Jesus, the door. But I want to say that in these times, the danger is this, that you can wait for God to do everything. So you sit and do absolutely nothing. And this is the, this is the problem. And this is what Paul is faced with. Now he wants a door to open to Thessalonica. He wants to get there. He wants to encourage these believers. But everything he wants to do is all godly. So some of the things that you want God to open a door for you now, it's like, God, these things are, are good for me. You don't understand. But it seems like they're blocked. But do you know what Paul does? The first thing, and the first point is this, that we need to see beyond our personal assignment. The first thing Paul, Paul does is this, that when he could stand it no longer, it says, when he could stand it no longer, that he tried everything, he'd done everything in his own strength, he sends Timothy. I want to encourage you today that if your door is not opening or it's not even there, build somebody else's door. Oh no, but it's all about me. It's about my ministry. It's about what I want to achieve for the Lord. I've got these plans and things. I know God's going to use me. I'm going to be a pastor one day. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to go out on a mission on the mission field. I'm going to be an evangelist all around the world. Listen to me. If you want to be an evangelist around the world, then you better start investing into evangelists. You better start encouraging and building the door for someone else who's ahead of you and they're doing more than you now. If you see a successful ministry that that touches your heart, I want to encourage you, invest into it and God will open the door for you. But some of us are saying, oh, I want to be like them, but I'm not willing to sow into them. Hallelujah. You see, one of the things I realized when I've gone around and I had the opportunity to go to Pakistan, a door opens one month before I didn't even realize I'm going. But I realize that if I step back over the years, I've invested into evangelizing to the local area. God will open the doors if you invest into others. So listen, if your door isn't appearing, if you can't stand it any longer, send another. See the opportunities to invest into people. Now, people don't like this kind of preaching because this is, it is, it's maturity. This is where you've got to learn to stop crying about your own situation and start saying to Jesus, do you know what? I'm going to rejoice in the fact that I see my brother or my sister in church and I see that they can do better than I can at this season because they're ahead of me and I'm going to invest into them. I'm telling you, you do that, doors will open for you. Oh, but no, 
You don't understand. The Lord's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. To bind up the broken. I've got, you don't understand. This is my season. It's my time. God will decide your time. God will decide when it's your time. You've got to see beyond your personal assignment. Do you know what I love? It says that when Paul says we sent Timothy, he says he's our brother. That's family. He's our brother, but he's our co-worker in God's service. What his language tells us is this, that Paul in his wisdom sees, I'm not going to get this door. This, this visa ain't coming through for me for Thessalonica. I ain't getting no visa, but I understand that Timothy over there seems to be doing quite well on the online visa application. And Timothy doesn't seem to have an issue. So I'm, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to realize that Timothy is an extension of me. Timothy is, is going to do something that I wanted to do. And I'm going to actually see that, I, that he's not just a, a secondary option. He's a co-worker. But he's in God's service, not mine. It's not Paul's ministry service. I'm releasing you. It's actually this whole thing is about God's service. So, you know, you've got to see this. Do you know the devil has a one-track mind? Because the devil focuses sometimes on the things he shouldn't be focusing on. You see, the devil focused so much on Paul to block his way. And all the time in the background, young Timothy's coming up. He's getting ready to do something. Oh, the visa application's going to go through for him. Because his eye is not on him. Why? Because the devil's got a one-track mind. He focuses where all the drama is. But listen to me. When, when Lewis told me he's going to leave and go to Arbury, the devil wasn't ready for my response. You see, I believe he's a co-worker. I believe he's someone who's going to go on behalf and everything I've invested into him here, he will take with him and he'll influence Arbury and that community for Jesus. And I'm not just telling you this. I believe it. I believe it because he's a co-worker. He does not, Lewis Cameron is not my belonging. He, I don't own Lewis and Abba. I release them to go because I say, God, you're part of God's service. Hallelujah. I've said it before. My kids love playing Minecraft on the PS4 where they build things. And when they go on Minecraft, they play around and they say, Dad, this is how we do it. And I say, what's this? And they show me all the tools. I say, this is the inventory. This is where you get all your building blocks. God has got an inventory in the kingdom of God. And he can shift things, move things, and denominations mean absolutely nothing to him. It's only us who get worried about that. I've lost someone. Do you know what? God will send someone else. Hallelujah. If the door ain't there for you, You've got to build a door for someone else. Now that takes maturity. And we want people to be mature. We don't want people to get all whiny because their doors ain't opening. There's a lot of doors I'd love to open, but they ain't opening for me. So don't think, oh, my doors are open. i got doors I'd love to see open. But do you know what I'm doing at the moment? When I'm discouraged, I try to encourage anyone else who's discouraged. So that their door will open. Because if I do that, it's building character. You've got to build your character. Because the Lord, do you know what the Lord does? He's looking to, ultimately he's looking, this is what this whole message is about really, to build your character so that you can walk through the doors he's going to have for you. Some of you are not ready to walk through doors because you're so, you're so focused on getting through that actually your character wouldn't hold you when you get through. 
But you've got to be built in character. And this is how God does it. He builds our character ready for the bigger, greater positions that he has for us. Do you know what he does? When he sees that there's a roadblock for him, Paul, do you know what he does? He turns a roadblock for him into a roadmap for Timothy. That's what he does. He turns a roadblock for him into a roadmap for Timothy. I bet Satan was right there thinking, I don't believe it. We missed Timothy. We missed him. But he sends him. And he accomplishes that which he wants to do. In Philippians 2 verse 3, it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is, look, we can read that and just think, oh, that's nice. But have you read that? That that tells you and me that we have got to place value on each other more than ourselves. So I've got to place value on you guys for your ministry more than I have myself. I've got to believe that Emmanuel is going to do great. I've got, to, I've got to focus on your doors and the value of your life and ministry more than mine. That's what this scripture is about. Don't look for your own interests. Don't try spending time trying to do your own doors. Build doors for people. As a leader, that's the, if you want to become a leader, you don't have to just go on Leadership 360. I'll tell you one thing in a nutshell. To be a leader is to learn how to Put things aside for yourself and learn how to develop others so that they become something that's probably bigger than you in the future. In reality, that's what it's all about. Leadership's about me helping people to find their way to become the person that they should be and can be for the Lord. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. But the trouble is sometimes is what happens is our selfishness holds on to ministry and we say, I ain't going to spend time building doors for no. This is all about me. And if, if I can't do this in my own strength, no one else is going to do it. I was recently, I went up to have a pastoral meeting with someone from the church up at the A14 at Tesco's. I came back out of Tesco's to go back to collect my children uh, at school at the end of the day. And I had to be there in 15 minutes and the, if anyone goes to the year 14 on the at Bar Hill at the moment, it is a nightmare because you're 40 mile an hour. And, and I came out and there were all these road signs and things and, and I was confused and ended up getting on the motorway with these roadblock things, getting on the motorway the wrong direction. I was driving towards Huntingdon when I was supposed to be going to the school. And I put the sat-nav on and I'm looking at the time and you know when you, you, know when you see the time, it says estimated time of arrival. And you know, sometimes when you feel a little bit that you really need to do, do some supernatural time travel to reduce that time down a little bit. I was looking, thinking, how on earth am I going to get there? And, and, I, and I see the time and I thought, it's impossible. I either try and just be late and try and do it in my own strength, or I know I could phone my friend who lives there, but I don't know if I dare phone him and tell him what I've done and ask him if he can go and pick them up for me. And in the end, I thought, I'm going to have to do it. So I phoned him up. He says, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm okay. I'm I'm just in a bit of traffic. I didn't tell him all the details. I was on my way to Huntingdon in the wrong direction. I just said, yeah, I'm stuck in a bit of traffic. I'm going to be a bit late. Would you do me a favor? Would you collect the children from me? He says, of course I can. So some of us, we don't ask sometimes. And what I realized is that he, my friend, thankfully, was better positioned than I was. 
I was in a situation where I'm not in the right season and the right time to go and collect them, but am I daring to ask and release someone else because they're better positioned than me? And some of you right now, what, what's happening in your life is that you, you so want to see the doors open for you, you don't want to invest into others or focus on other people because you want to focus on yourself. And I'm asking you today and I'm encouraging you today to start to take your eye off yourself and to look at others. If you want a door to open, don't just, just pray. Don't just sit and wait, but build other people. Value others above yourself. Because I really believe God's tapestry of what he's doing in the world is far greater than our ministry. His tapestry is far bigger than personal ministry. It's bigger. And collaboration with people alongside each other in the church is far better than isolation. When we collaborate together, rather than isolate ourselves and say, it's all about me and what I want to do. When we start to realize that each one in this room has value and that we can value each other's ministry, value each other's gifting. I want to encourage you today to just do that. Yesterday, I know there's some people in the room from there, but yesterday I was in Saffron Walden. I had the the great opportunity to go to the Assemblies of God Church in Saffron Walden to Rajiv's church uh, over there after 14 years the first time I walked in that church after 14 years the other day, I walked into the sanctuary and to preach and to share to the teams there. And um, the thing is this, what a lot of people didn't know the story, but 14 years ago when Peter Cavanna was the minister here, I was his driver. I just drove him to Saffron Walden. He was the pastor. He just said, can you drive me? So I drove him over one uh, Sunday night for him to preach. And so I went in there and I sat on the chair while he got up and he preached in, in the room that I was in yesterday. And he preached, and halfway through his message, he said, Phil, I want you to get up. And I wasn't ready for this. I'd already arrived and played the drums when I got there. That was all unexpected. I played the drums for Rajiv. Then I sat down, and then I get up, and I'm preaching for the second half, and I wasn't expecting it. And that night, we saw God move. We saw people get healed. It was so significant that the following week after being there 14 years ago, God started to to move in this house and we start to see healings take place that to the point where the Cambridge Evening News got hold of it within two weeks they wanted to come in and report on the miracles taking place here and that all triggered from Saffron Walden 14 years ago and I have the privilege to walk back in yesterday be invited as the pastor of this church to speak to those people but I realized that the only reason that the door was there for me to minister to them was because 14 years prior, someone saw the opportunity to get me off my chair and invite me up. And because he was feeling a little bit tired probably at the time and weary and said, will you just speak for me? And that night God moved and 14 years later, I'm stood ministering in the church as the pastor. Hallelujah. Now, I tell you that because there are so many people here right now that your future doors are based on what you're going to do for someone else. And they're relying on you. And as a body of Christ who build each other up, that's what we're supposed to do. When you build each other up, you're building your own life. Don't think you're wasting your time. You're building your own life. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the door, John 10 verse 9. Do you know something that Jesus himself, if you want to take the whole concept of learning how to be mature in your faith, the primary person to learn from is Jesus. And if Jesus, listen to this, if Jesus is the door, do you know something? 
for Jesus to be the door, he said he was the door, but actually he was being prophetic because to be a door, he had to first do, he had to do something. To be a door for you to enter eternal life, he had to die. He says, I'm the door, but the reality is, to be a door, he had to become humble. He had to put other people before himself. So what he said is, I'm going to build a door for you, so I'm going to lay my life down. I've done three years of ministry, I've seen miracles, but I'm going to lay my life down. And he said these great, great words that greater works you'll do, bigger than what I've been doing. You're going to do greater stuff than I've done, but I'm going to lay my life down. And what Jesus did is that his life surrendered when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. What he did is he built a door in himself for you. He showed us that actually it's not about me. I lay my life down for you. Greater love has no one than this to lay his life down for his friends. It's all about love. And so I'm telling you today, if you want to build doors for people, don't just do it to try and prove a point. Love people. It's got to come with a loving attitude that says, I, do you know what? From today, I'm not going to worry about my doors. I'm going to worry about everyone else's doors. And I'm going to lay my life down. Because Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, 2,000 years ago, the carpenter from Nazareth, He decides to build a door that doesn't require nails into a wooden framework. It requires nails pierced into his hands. The way that he built a door for you was that the nails would be driven through him first. The nails would be driven through his flesh into the wood that he would die. Cursed is him who dies on a tree. Listen to me, when he died, he built the door for you. Hallelujah. If he did that, we need to do it with each other. We need to do that with each other. We need to start to lay our life down for each other. Hallelujah. Number two, see beyond your personal discouragement. Your discouragement. Some of us, we can't see beyond our assignment, our appointment. Some of us can't see beyond our discouragement. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 7. Paul says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged. What? We were encouraged about you because of your faith. And listen to this verse 8. For now, we really live. (laughs) What? You've been persecuted and you're in distress. You're not in a good place. No. He says, for now, we really live. Since you are standing firm in the Lord. Not now we really live because we're standing firm in the Lord and we're in a great season where God's just blessing us. No. We are living because you are standing firm. And so what we see here is again, it's that relationship of attitude where he's looking beyond his own discouragement and turning his discouragement into encouragement based on someone else's life being blessed. This is mature stuff because you've got you to start thinking like this. It's hard. The flesh doesn't want you to think like that. But if you start to think like this, value others above yourself. Listen to me. Doors are going to start opening for people in this room. I'm telling you. It's true. It's the way God works. When we lay ourselves down for others and love one another. 
Paul says this, we found encouragement in your faith. So you've got to remember what, what Paul's saying here is, I got the report back from Timothy. So I sent Timothy, I built him, I created a door for him. Now I'm reading the report. This report is just absolutely encouraging me. So I'm reading this. I didn't even get to see, but I'm reading it. It's your, your wins are making me feel better now. So your wins, I, I, I sent Timothy, your wins are making me feel a whole lot better. It's encouraging me in my discouragement and persecution and distress. And I want to encourage you that when you hear someone else winning, you've got to take that on board as though it was you winning. You've got to take, because listen, when we're all part of one body, if one suffers, we all suffer. So listen to me, when someone's winning, it's your win. It's your win. The devil will have you think differently. Oh, but you haven't got the trophy. You haven't got the victory. But it's your win. And so what we've got to look at is, is actually when we're in situations where we've got no doors, that actually be encouraged by others' victories for others. When I was in Pakistan recently and one day we, well, one evening we, we came back to the hotel and we decided to have a late night meal and it was a, I wanted to, I love curries, so I wanted to sample the curries in Pakistan. And it was a big mistake because I tried a curry at about half 11, quarter to midnight. Let's just say that the next day was eventful. It's interesting, painful, and um, I'd probably not do it again. And uh, the next day I was in agony and I told the team and and that night I had to go and preach to the, the 500 people in a church. And before we get to the venue to preach, I, I actually sent WhatsApp messages, I think, to people over here saying, you've got to pray for me. <laughs> I'm glad people did. I'm glad people prayed for me. But I said, you've got to pray for me. I'm in, I'm in a bit of a struggle. And I went to this church. And before we even went to the church, the pastor took us to his house to feed us. And I was with a team member who knew I were having a few problems. And I sat there in the house. And this pastor comes out with... A whole load of barrage of food, all home cooked. I'm talking, I'm talking samosas, everything. And my eyes were looking at them. My eyes were telling me yes. My stomach was telling me no. And the guy who was with me who knew I were having problems, he's looking at me thinking, you better not touch that. Because that's not going to do you any good. And, and I looked and I just said, in the name of Jesus, I have faith. Because I am not going to have the opportunity to eat a samosa like that again. Because let me tell you, they look nothing like the ones at Tesco's where you get six in a pack. I've got to have one of them. Even if I have to die for this samosa, I'm having that. So I took the samosa. You ought to see the fright on the guy's face. He said, I can't believe you're just eating that. I said, I'll be fine. I've got to go and preach to 500 people. I feel ill and I've got to do a healing service. I went in that room, honestly. I asked them, first of all, where's the toilets? They said, upstairs. I thought, there's no way I'm getting up there. Lord, in faith, take me through this service. I saw people get healed, prophesied over people that night. Listen to me, when you put Jesus first, it doesn't matter. But I, I prayed for people. The next day, I was still in agony. And I went, to, I went to the home where we were investing to, you know, the king's home. And we arrived there in the morning. And uh, when I get there, we walk in and the team said to me, they said, we're going to go upstairs. We've got to do some filming with the media team. They said, you can just do what you like. And there was no agenda for me, no plan. I thought... And, and, I, and I sat in there, and I, and I sat in the corridor, and I got this bottle of Coke. They said, drink some Coke. That'll make you feel better in your stomach. I've never heard that before, but when there's no medicine, you know, I just had some Coke. And so I'm sat there drinking this bottle of Coke, feeling sorry for myself. 
and sat there in the middle of 42 degrees heat, no air conditioning. They've all cleared off. And I'm sat there thinking to myself, God, you opened a door for me to come to Pakistan. And I feel terrible. I'm sat here. I've got no agenda. No one's told me what to do. And they've all just gone off to do their filming. And I sat here. I'm just wasting time. And then all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And said, get up and do something then. I said, just let me check I heard that right again. <laughs> get up and do something. And it was really strong. I just sat there thinking, feeling sorry for myself. Sat on a chair in the middle of this corridor with these children walking past who've got nothing. And I'm there worrying about my stomach. And I didn't know what I did. I got up. I had no idea what I was going to do, by the way. I got up, walked out of the building. Just no plan. I thought, God, and I just said, God, just use me. Do something with me. So I walked outside this building, 42 degrees heat. The security guard stood on the entrance waiting for people to arrive. And I just felt the Lord said, go over to him and speak to him. So I spoke to the security guard, who's a Christian. Started speaking to him. And then I ended up saying, can I pray for you? Then I prophesied over him. Then he gets healed through a word of knowledge. Then he calls his friend over. His friend gets healed. Then another guy comes over. Third person gets healed. People are getting touched now. I'm stood there. All of a sudden, let me tell you, I forgot about my stomach. And I began to minister to them. Then it it continued. They said, come inside. So they take me inside the home. All of a sudden, I have no plan. I had no plan for any doors, nothing. Doors have been created for me. I'm walking around this place. Doors are opening. They said, they brought this young girl called Mary. They said, she's been suffering for, for all these years. 14-hour shifts working in brick factory, paying all down one side. Will you pray for her? So I pray for her. God touches her, heals her. Hallelujah. Power of God hits her. In fact, I got a, a call, a, a message this week from the pastor out there who's leading 45 churches. A well-respected man messages me and says to me, I've just drove all the way down to the south of Pakistan to the home. Met that young girl that you prayed for. She's still pain-free, completely pain-free. Praise Jesus. Now, I look back and think, that was following my sorrowful display on the sofa. What happened after that was is, I continued praying for lots of children then. So the children, I sat praying for the children to be healed. I realized, hang on a minute, this is what I've come for. But I'm waiting for someone to tell me what to do i got to build doors. i got to build these doors. They happen. And as I did that, do you know what happened next? A lady came out of the kitchen. She said to me, my husband's not a Christian. She goes, and he's suffering every night. And he can't get to sleep. He's got these, these, this, this thing that he believes is a demonic spirit. He can't sleep on a night. Will you come out of here now and go to his house and pray for him? So I said, yeah. So I walk out of the building. Now I'm walking up into the village. I'm led into a house through a door into their house. I'm now stood in this brick-built house. They have absolutely nothing. The whole family sat around watching me. They take me to the, the man of the house. And he says, yes, and they're interpreting, I've got problems. I can't sleep. I feel like there's these spiritual things attacking me. I'm not a Christian. So I said, well, first of all, before I pray for you, do you want to give your life to Jesus? He said, yes, as easy as that. I then said, I'm going to lead you through. I take him through the prayer of salvation. He gives his life to Jesus there in the house. This is following my sorrowful display. Sat there waiting for God to tell me what to do. 
And he says, just get up and do it yourself. Build a door. Go look past your discouragement. But some of us today, what we're doing is we're still sat on that chair waiting for God to tell us what to do. Listen to me. There's no longer time to sit here. If you sit here in that discouragement, in that corridor, waiting for someone to tell you what to do, you're never going to do anything for God. And do you know what happens? I'm, I'm going to tell you now what happens. If you sit in discouragement and you don't do anything and you don't create doors for yourself, for the Lord, do you know what will happen? Discouragement, when you sit down, will take you to open the wrong doors to please the flesh. Because you'll feel so sorry for yourself. You'll say, God's not doing anything at the moment for me. And I deserve the door. I've been serving the Lord all these years. I've been praying to God. And I've been sat here. No, God's not giving me any instructions. And I'm just, and I need some pleasure. So then you start to open the door to the wrong thing. You open the wrong doors. And let me tell you, when you open the wrong doors, you know what happens? You get locked into stuff. I remember when I was a student. I used to walk out of the front, front door sometimes. We had a Yale lock on. If I ever walked out and the Yale lock went shut behind me, I realized if there's no one else in the house, I ain't getting back in if I ain't got a key. And I got locked out. Sometimes I'd have to phone the landlord. I've left the key inside. The, the Yale lock shut behind me. And do you know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to get from discouragement, open the wrong door, get in, walk out, and the door shuts on you so that you feel locked in. Then you don't do anything for the Lord. Then you're not fruitful for the Lord. That the door's locked behind you. Genesis 4 verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Look at this. Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Do you know, when you can't see doors in front of you, there's always a door in operation, it's the door of your heart. And what you let into your heart has the power to determine your track, your future, and what direction that you're going in. And I want to encourage you today that sometimes you may be feeling quite low because you've gone in through the wrong doors. I want to encourage you today. It's time to look back to Jesus. The door again. The door again to salvation. The door that will let you back into life outside of that place that you've got yourself into. In Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon writes this in his words of wisdom. He says, keep to a path far from her. He's talking about the adulterer. He's talking about the woman of adultery. And listen, this is not just for men. This is for women as well. This is for people today who are not just looking at the adulterous woman. This is for people today who are looking with a sinful eye. They're looking with an eye at pornography. They're looking with an eye at the wrong stuff. And they're led down the wrong path. He says, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Proverbs 5 verse 5, just a bit before that, he says, Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. It's no coincidence that today we sing that song, I ran out of that grave. I ran out of that, I ran out of that grave. Because some of you right now, what's happened is discouragement, you saw no doors opening and discouragement 
led you to a place to open and go down the path to the wrong doors, to be seduced into the wrong stuff, to be led into a place where now what happens is you feel locked in and ministry is no longer your focus. Actually, your focus is your flesh. Your focus is what you can please in your flesh. And the devil says to you, you deserve this. You deserve to enjoy yourself because God is not giving you opportunities. He's not giving you doors. He's not opening stuff for you. So you deserve to have that bit of fun. You deserve to go in and out of that door. But listen, the only door you need to go in and out and find pasture is the one in John 10, 9. That's Jesus Christ. Stop going to the fake grass. The fake pasture. The fake artificial grass that looks good through the window. But when you get to it, it's got no nourishment. It's got nothing in it. You chew on it and it's plastic. Because it's fake and it has no substance in life. When I was on the streets the other night, I met drug addicts on the street telling me how much drugs that they're pumping into their system. One of them come up, he said, the other night I was smashed the whole house up where I was living because I was, uh, you know, I was so angry with my girlfriend. And now I've got a restraining, restraining order on me to not go back there. He come with all his face beaten up. He said, I've got pain all in my head. I stood there with one of the guys, he's, he's here tonight, uh, this afternoon. I stood there with him, we witnessed to him, we stood and listened to his story for a long time. And then at the end I said, I want to pray for you for this pain in your head. He says, you can if you want. We prayed for him in two prayers. The pain all left his body. He told me all about his drug addictions. He told me how bad the drug problems are in Cambridge on the streets. Listen, the people are going to the wrong grass. They're going to the wrong grass, quite literally. They're going to the wrong artificial stuff. Let me tell you, there is a door. There is life in him. And it will nourish you. And that's why in John chapter 4, Jesus says to the woman at the well that she can have waters of life. So much so she leaves the jar behind and wants to follow him. I want to encourage you today not to go down these routes in discouragement to the wrong doors and wrong... It all starts at a path, by the way, before you get to the door. Did you know that? Sometimes there's a path before a door. He says, don't go down the path that leads to that door. There's an opportunity sometimes to get off that path before you even get to the door. And some of you know in your hearts, your conscience tells you you're on the path already. There are people in this room now that even now you, you, you have thoughts, flirtatious thoughts of adulterous thoughts of even stepping over the line with someone. You're a married person. You're thinking, oh, do you know what? If I just say these things, I enjoy speaking that way to that person. Let me tell you, whether you're a man, woman, doesn't matter who you are right now. I want to encourage you today to stay clear of that door. Because it all starts with a path before the door. All starts with a path. And the paths are always in seasons of discouragement. Jesus is the only way out of the grave. He's the door, the gate, and the way, the truth, and the life. In Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul talks about watching our lives and the sin and sexual immorality, the things that can take us off track, in Ephesians 5.14, he ends up by saying this, Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ's light will shine on you. I want to tell you today that if you want Jesus to rescue you, you've got to let his light shine into your life. Expose 
the deeds of the flesh. Hallelujah. I hope this is speaking to you this afternoon. Finally, number three is this, that we not just see, we not just see beyond our discouragement, but we see beyond our personal involvement. Do you know one of the things that it's interesting, Paul, when he begins writing about this, he talks about all his effort that he's done in intense longing to open a door. He doesn't talk much about praying. He just says, we tried everything. We tried everything in our effort. We've done everything, intense longing. We had this such longing to get doors open. We've tried everything, but Satan blocked us. But then in verse 10 later on, after he's had the report and he's received the report from Timothy, do you know what he does? He doesn't give up on the door. He still says, I want to get back. I want to see you. And I want to encourage you, even if you're still believing in others, don't give up on your doors. Don't give up on believing God to open the doors for you. What he says now in verse 10, he says, night and day, listen to this, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what's lacking in your faith. Now get this, verse 11, this is the realization he comes to after he's tried everything. He says, now may our God and Father, and this is the key word, himself, himself, And our Lord Jesus, clear the way for us to come to you. What he's saying is this. I'm just going to pray now. I've tried everything practically. I got involved. And believe you me, some of us are good at doing that. We like to help God out. God, you know, you just need my help. So I'm going to pray, but I'm also going to help you. God does not need your help to build a door. He doesn't need your help. He needs your prayers. He needs your communication. He needs your communion with Him. He needs your trust in Him. He needs you to lay everything down so you trust Him entirely to build it for you. And so what Paul arrives at is, he says, now, we're going to pray night and day, earnestly, but now we realize it's God our Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Who's going to clear this way? Who's going to take this roadblock down? Who's going to show Satan that actually you can't stop me? And actually it's through the power of prayer. And what does that tell you? Your prayers do things and they affect things and they build doors and they change your circumstance. So don't believe the lie that your prayers are not going to do anything. In fact, the enemy wants to get you in such discouragement that you stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5, I think, says that we should pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Don't give up. So there's some of you right now, what you've done is you've been praying for the door. The door ain't open, so you said, you know what? I'm going to give up on that prayer. I'm going to change my prayer list. No, keep it priority. Say, God, that's priority. In your time, you'll open it for me. I'm believing that you will do it in your time time, even though I've tried every effort, now I surrender to you that you yourself will open this door. When I went out to Pakistan recently and got the visa to go there, it was a bit of a process because I sent off the visa application online and I thought it was going to be pretty straightforward until they sent me an email back and said, we need more information from you. And And I realized I had to personally get involved in all this to try and get into Pakistan. I thought it was going to be easy. I thought the Lord's opened the door for me. The Lord's just going to supernaturally send me through. But 
I get this visa request email back saying, you, you've got to send, you need to send back to us details about your job and what you do. And then someone said to me, whatever you do, do not mention you're a pastor. And I thought, are they trying to say I should lie? He said, don't, don't say the word pastor. If you tell them you're a pastor, you're never going to get in. And so I'm getting these, telling me what I should say. And so I sought the Lord. I said, God, what, what do you want me to do? I felt the Lord say, you're a marketeer. You're a communicator. You're in, communica- you're in communications, Phil. You keep telling yourself something, you believe it. I'm a marketeer. I was in the marketing industry for 30 years, and I still am because I'm communicating the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I do the flyers here, don't I? Okay. Well, I'm a designer and a marketeer. I do pastoring as well. But I'll just not tell you about that. So I put marketeer, communications. And, I, and then they sent another, they, I sent the email, I thought that should get me through. I've, I've intervened now. I've helped God out a little bit. And then I got another email back again. The email this time says, we, we still need more. I thought, is that not enough? They said, we need more. We need to know, we need a letter of authorization from your employer. I thought, well, I am my employer. There's only Joe in the office, so what I'm going to do is I'll write a letter for myself and Joe can sign it. So I wrote a letter to prove that I could go to Pakistan, and she signed it. I sent that back off to them. They, it got through. The process was unbelievable. One of the other staff, one of the other team members, Becky, some of you know, she had about five emails requesting saying, we're not going to let you in, we need this, we need this. And they kept asking, we get to 24 hours before we go to Pakistan, and she hasn't got a visa. And then it gets towards the end of the day on the Friday, because I was going on the Monday morning, it was Friday, closing time of the embassy. We're talking hours away from closing time at the embassy for Pakistan. And in their church, in Renew Church in Oxeter, they have an MP that's recently got saved, baptized. He was part of the cabinet at one stage in Parliament. He's now baptized, born again. He says, I've got a connection in the Pakistan embassy, in their church. He says, I can, I can help you out. In the last 30 minutes to an hour, he opened up the way and got her a visa, and she was in. We all went. Praise God. How many of you know that God knew that when he brought that man in to be saved, that he knew that he'd have some connection to Pakistan? Because God's tapestry is bigger than your personal ministry. And so what I want to encourage you is today is that when you're discouraged, when you feel like God is not on your side, when you feel like you've got to involve yourself, the Lord himself can do it. He can do it. He will clear the way. If the team could come back, that would be great as we come to close. God can open a door without your help. He can open these doors. But that doesn't mean you do nothing. We have to pray. We have to pray. We have to believe God. Because he will clear the way. Ultimately, what am I trying to say here? Is that when there's no door for you in your life, build people. Build other doors for people. Be encouraged when other people win. So build others up in relationships. And finally, build your prayer life. Build your prayer life. If the door ain't building, build your prayer life because we know that that will build the door. Build your prayer life. Jesus teaches on this in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 to 8. He says this, ask and it will be given to you. 
Come on, you know it. Seek and you'll find. Knock the door. The door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. I don't know where you're at today. What is happening right now in your life? You might be coming each week to this church. You've heard so many different sermons on keep believing for breakthrough, keep pressing through. But as I said earlier, I got my doors. There's not one person in this room hasn't got a door that they want to open for them. And I don't know what that is. It might be an employment. It might be in the area of uh, finances, marriage, relationships, you name it. Every one of us got doors that we want to open. Some of us, there's just nothing happening. But I really want to encourage you this afternoon, no matter how you feel, no matter what is happening, just like Paul, God knows everything. He knows everything. And when Satan blocked your way, when everything was against you, and he says this, he uses that language, it's quite strong, he says, we couldn't stand it any longer. And I don't know, I just sense there's people. When I, when I was studying this message and print together, it kept leaping out at me, and I just felt the Lord keep saying, there's people, they can't stand it any longer. They can't stand it any longer. It's like, nothing's happening. It is a brick wall. Hence the reason for my picture. It's a brick wall, you can't see anything. There's no way forward. But listen to me. God is in the business of turning roadblocks into roadmaps. He turns things around. And he's looking for character development. He's looking in this season. Your character development is building your door. It really is building your door. It's building an amazing door for you in the future. And I realize now the stuff that's shut for me, he's just opening, he's doing stuff, he's getting ready. He's getting ready. Hallelujah. Do you know Years ago when we opened up this building, we did the upstairs floor, what you stood on here. Downstairs in the back room, uh, Mirek, is he here? Mirek's here. He built the toilets for us. If you ever use them toilets downstairs, Mirek built them. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't just play the sax. He builds, he builds toilets as well. Bathroom, should I say. And he built the toilet. And I'll remember, I might be wrong in this, but I seem to remember that he kept building this toilet outside because we used to have external toilets. If you needed the toilet, you had to wander outside and go to the back cubicles. And he built this toilet at the back and he kept building it, but there was no access to it because the door was going to be through the back room where you go now. And that used to be just a brick wall. We used to pray in there all the time on our prayer nights. Many of you remember that. We used to pray in there. There was just a brick wall. There was no door. But right near the end of the job, he knocked, the do- he knocked a hole through the wall. And people, I remember them on the Sunday coming here and people were like, can I have a look through? People were peering through because all of a sudden they realized this used to be just a brick wall. And they realized something had been developed behind the wall. And they saw the rooms and they saw what it was going to be like. And, and I want to just say this to you. I know I'm using an analogy of a toilet, but can I just say to you, there are some people right now, do you realize God is building something behind that brick wall for you? And there's going to be a day that all of a sudden he's going to say, now's the time because you're ready, and I'm going to knock this through, and you didn't realize he's actually been building something on the other side. He's been preparing it all the time. All you saw was a brick wall. You never saw a door, because it wasn't time to go through. And I want to encourage you, there's some people right now in this room, don't give up because you see a brick wall. Believe in what's to come. Amen. 
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.